Surely you're ready to start this podcast. Yes, I am. And don't call me Shirley. Captain, how soon can you land? I can't tell. You can tell me I'm a doctor. No, I mean, I'm just not sure. Or can't you take a guess? Well, not for another two hours. You can't take a guess for another two hours? No, no, no. I mean, we can't land for another two hours. Fog has closed down everything this side of the mountains. We've got to get through to Chicago. Hello, movie lovers. I'm Adam from Does It Hold Up? And I'm Emily. And today we're going back to July 4th, 1980 to talk all about the movie Airplane! Exclamation mark. Always got to have that exclamation point. It's a very exciting movie, okay? I mean, is it? Yes. That's what we're going to talk about today. This is one of the most memorable movies, I would say, of all time. People who have seen this movie know this movie. And even if you have it, you know bits and pieces from this movie, like the Don't Call Me Shirley. It is a very quotable movie. Yeah, the whole thing is just quotable. It's also one of the very first big satire spoof parody type movies that I think really caught the zeitgeist. Um, Thinking of others, it's like How I Learned to Stop Worrying, uh, Uh, Learned to Love the Atomic Bomb, but I think those both came after this. I'm not 100% sure of the time frame, but during that like late 70s to late 80s era, that decade right there, we got a ton of these kind of movies. But this one seems to be the one that sticks in a lot of people's minds. And that's why we wanted to cover it, because we got to thinking, like, we covered Princess Bride. That's a pretty good satire. Mm-hmm. Next week, we're going to be covering Austin Powers' International Man of Mystery, a great parody. But what's something that does it all an airplane just does it all it was right there right in front of us this whole time <laughs> so that's what we decided to talk about today yeah i cannot tell you the first time i ever saw this movie i have no idea i don't think i actually ever sat down and watched this movie all the way through till like about a decade ago mm. it was always just catching bits and pieces here and there watching clips of it knowing the quotes knowing and then eventually i was like damn i should probably just sit down and watch this movie and i did and it was funny. Yeah. Some parts more than others. I actually remember the first time I watched this movie, Please. which is surprising. And it wasn't for this podcast. Share. Share away. So it was at a family gathering many years ago. And everyone was talking. Everyone was doing stuff. But they put that on in the background. And I was transfixed. I didn't care what anyone else was doing. I was watching this movie and this movie alone. And I... Don't even remember how old I was, but I was rather young. So a lot of the jokes kind of went over my head. Yeah. But I loved it from the moment I first saw it. Yeah. That's one of the things that is interesting about this movie. Like you watched it as a kid and you still could laugh at it, even though 95% of the jokes just probably flew right over your head. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of physical comedy that just works that isn't like. Uh, fart jokes or whatever like that or Pratt falls yeah. yeah so i've always been more interested in that kind of humor the like quick-witted and like there's a reason behind it kind of humor well if you're looking for quick-witted this might not be the movie for you hot <laughs> well, takes the, already <laughs> the, the humor is done quickly <laughs> yes the humor is definitely done quickly and in abundance yes not sure it 100 percent always lands so i know like everybody that I've ever spoken to has a a love for this movie Mm -hmm. that might be unwarranted 
if they haven't seen it in a long time. It's just that idea of, you know, it's a movie we haven't covered yet, but we're going to be covering it eventually sometime this year of like Napoleon Dynamite, where it's just, man, it's, it might not be a great movie, but for some reason people remember it as great. Yeah. I, I was worried this movie might fall into that. And so I'm like really excited to get into and break down this movie because there, there's a lot going on. A but lot. first, what did the almighty Roger Ebert have to say about Airplane? Yeah, Roger Ebert gave it three stars. And the quote I grabbed from him is, Airplane is practically a satirical anthology of classic movie cliches. None of this really adds up to great comic artistry, but Airplane compensates for its lack of original comic invention by its utter willingness to steal, beg, borrow, and rewrite from anywhere. He liked it. He definitely got a kick out of all the references. It is chock full of them, of movies around that time. It took from, like, every movie that had to deal with airplanes. It just took from every movie, period. Not even just dealing with airplanes, just movies. Yeah, there just, was a there was a bit and pieces of almost like every movie in this movie. Yeah, I, it's interesting when he writes that it stole, it begged and stole yeah. from everything. It's a very intelligent way of putting it because nothing about Airplane screams originality to me. Yeah. It just is how did we put together all these other crazy moments that you that were making fun of things and how did we put it together to make a coherent ish story? So, like we talked about earlier with this being, like, one of the first big satirical movies that was widely seen, I think they might not have, he or he, I should say, might not have really gotten the gist of what that whole theme of movies would be. Oh, no, he he 100% got it. It's just there's a way of doing it where you don't just deliberately steal, but you improve upon. yeah. Um, it's one of the things that I think makes a movie like Princess Bride work really well is they took all those cliches and all those tropes, amplified them to 11. Shout out to this is Spinal Tap. <laughs> and that's what made it become beloved. Sometimes I feel like this movie might hit some low hanging fruit well, and not in the best of ways. Yeah. Uh, okay. So that's very interesting. So he liked it enough to give it three stars. Which is still higher than Spider Man. <laughs> That's gonna. Kill I you will for the never time. ever let that go. But what about modern? What are audiences and critics today saying about this? The Rotten Tomato critic score has it a ninety-seven percent on seventy reviews, and the audience score has it at an eighty-nine percent. Mm. Yeah, I don't know about those. They're they're high. Yeah, that's. It I might... wonder if when's the last time people watched it. I was going to say, it might be a sort of thing where they didn't go back to rewatch it before reviewing it and are just like, I remember having a good time watching this. Yeah, like they remember the bits. They remember the, the big parts, but maybe not the little things in between. Yeah. So the box office for this movie is interesting. So the budget was only $3.5 million. Okay. I mean, it's 1980. So like for inflation, you're probably looking at a maybe $10 million movie but that's still really low for any modern movies the domestic take was 83 million four hundred and fifty three thousand five hundred and thirty nine dollars that is a hell of a return on a three and a half million dollar budget it shows you can go small and still have good results that is over 20 times that is about 24 ish times its budget mm -hmm. that's insane 
listen up studios this is how you do it you make low budget films and hope they go off follow blumhouse one of my <laughs> favorite studios working right now uh just because they do that they do the low budget stuff and, and yeah you may might make 10 that are duds but so what you spent 50 million dollars that's well, less than you'd spend on a hundred million dollar dud and they're also willing to give uh unknown scripts yeah. Not just Unknown creators. on something that you think is a for sure thing. And yeah. that's how we get original stories. Even exactly. though this one's not necessarily original. It's original-ish. <laughs> uh, it doesn't have any international numbers. So the worldwide is exactly what its domestic is. Adjusted for box office of 2022, it looks like $284,486,595 adjusted. Well, okay. Satirical comedy, almost $300 million. That's unheard of today. Yeah. It would never happen, but that's because these movies don't exist anymore because they got god awful. And if you're listening to this the day it comes out, which is the 19th, the following Friday, which I believe is in the 20s, that Friday, last Friday of the month, we're going to have a whole piece on our YouTube channel about the decline of satirical spoof movies. Yep. Because man, they saw a dip over time. Anyway, back to the box office stuff. Little plug, <laughs> little plug for some upcoming shows. Uh, so in 1980, this ranked number four at the box office with the 83.4 million. That's pretty good. Yeah. And the number three position was Stir Crazy, starring Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor. No, oh, they had Gene Wilder in it. And Richard Pryor. Of course it was going to do well. It's a great movie. If you haven't seen it, definitely check it out. There are two men who are framed for robbing a bank and they didn't commit it. So then they escape prison. It's <laughs> it's hilarious. Uh, that one ended up making $101 million in 1980. Okay. Massive. Number five, just missing out uh, on the number four position, was Any Which Way You Can with $70.6 million. And that was a follow-up to Any Which Way But Loose from 1978, starring Clint Eastwood. And his sidekick, his co-star, is an orangutan. In both Ooh. those movies. Fantastic comedy, action comedy movies. Again, uh, you were spoiled. Those three movies coming out in the same year, you were just, <laughs> you were spoiled. Um, adjusted for inflation, the 2022 ranking, this movie would come in at number nine oh, with that 284. Yeah, still top 10. Crazy. It would come right after ugh, Thor Love and Thunder at number eight. Yeah, it's doing with Marvel. 343 million. And it would just edge out Spidey No Way Home, which was still, this is just the money it made after it came out in 2021, which is just <laughs> insane. $241 million. Mm. And So it would have pushed that down into 10, taking that ninth spot. Not bad. Comedies don't normally do that well. Yeah. So, you know, not that adjusting for inflation really means anything, because if this movie came out today, it probably would not do that well. But it's always interesting to go back and, and take a look yeah. at how that all plans out. So, Airplane. Yeah. Here's how I took my notes. I don't know how you took your notes, but I basically just wrote down jokes as they came in. Because this movie, we'll just start out with one of the things I think works the least in this movie. One of, one of my least favorite things about this movie. There is no story. There's like a hodgepodge story shoved together to make you think there's a through line that's happening. Mm -hmm. But there's nothing. It's... Dude is in love with the stewardess, so he gets on the plane and he must land the plane. That's not a story. That's an event. I mean, it's the whole idea of the whole cabin getting 
sick because they all ate the fish meal. And now a passenger has to get over his, you know, trauma of being a pilot in the war. It's weak. It's it is. weak. I'm it's not de- I'm not defending it completely. Story. I'm just saying they would make a movie about that today. Yeah, but if you're going to make a, a story like that, that's a drama. That's a little bit heavier of a yeah. story. That's not, hey, we're going to, this dude is traumatized from being in a war. And they try to make a light of that. And they, they make light of, of it. And then of it. The, girl, the girl doesn't love him anymore because reasons? Because he won't get over the past. Because, you know, trauma, trauma can just go away. PTSD is a huge thing. And I get it's 1980, but like, it just makes no sense. I absolutely hate the story in this movie mm-hmm. um and really it's they're using the story to just get to the next joke yeah they're like hey we have a really good idea for jokes how do we intertwine a bs story into it and it just yeah. doesn't work yeah it, i hate it i hate it so much so you took your notes by writing down the jokes i honestly wrote down too many quick bits of humor to even try writing them down uh one of my last notes was need to watch this many times to catch all the jokes mm-hmm. maybe there's too many jokes maybe so all right let's let's go through this let's let's, go through. let's just say i enjoy the opening i i thoroughly enjoy the, the opening my first note is literally great opening the red zone versus white zone oh i was going even before that started strong with the jaws reference oh. in the clouds <laughs> with the plane being the fin yeah, with it, the tail fin of the plane it yeah makes me laugh every single time i chuckled this time just watching that i'm like yes i am here for this movie because of it like this opening gets me going for it i'm ready for just the ridiculousness of this movie and that immediate opening is what gets me ready for it yeah it's fine i'm not i'm not that hyped about it like you are but I think the opening with the red zone, white zone, though, is absolutely fantastic. We're watching all of the people get out of their taxis, go into the airport, and you hear over the intercom system, um, the white zone is for unloading and loading passengers only. No parking is allowed. Parking is only in red zones. And then a male voice comes in and is like, red zone is for unloading and loading passengers only. No parking. Gotta park in the white zone. And they just keep going back and forth. And then, like, it breaks down into, like, an argument but like, I know what this is really about. It's about that time that we were together and it's fantastic. So this is actually probably the first time I ever actually understood this because even watching it, I was just like, why are they keep repeating the same thing over and over again? And it wasn't until I like actually actively paid attention to what was being said instead of what was I was being shown that I actually got the joke. I was like, oh, I get it. I never heard that joke before yeah but then it goes a little too far for me oh yeah uh then all of a sudden it's like oh it's about that time we hooked up and blah 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 and oh it's about the abortion we're fighting about the abortion yeah over a loudspeaker or this... i know 1980 different time but it's a poor joke mm-hmm. it, it's so good of them just fighting back and forth because that's like a work area rivalry right yeah you it didn't have worked to go way. there yeah so i We'll see this quite a bit in this movie that some of the jokes just go way too far. And oh, yeah. it's just like, ooh, that's in poor taste. Uh-uh. That, Absolutely. That just left a bad taste in my mouth. Mm-mm. But what I can say about that whole interaction between red zone, white zone is it sets us up really well. Uh, if combining that with the whole Jaws thing of the mm-hmm. plane, we know exactly what we're in for. Yeah. There's no hiding it. It's like, this is going to be the dumbest thing you've ever watched. And hopefully you're going to laugh at everything that's happening. 
It brings in the ridiculous nature of the world that they're in and just how witty, and and I mean witty as in like the quick wittedness yes. of this movie. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as they're going through the airport, we're getting introduced to everybody, all our all our characters. And man, I the whole time I was like, man, I wish we could punch solicitors. Yeah. Because they're walking through and it's always just, hey, I'd like you to have this flower on behalf of some this church. The Church of Consciousness is yep. what I think they were called. And I love the the um Elaine who plays the stewardess. Um takes the flower. Takes and... the flower and he's like, You want to give us money? She's like, No, but thanks for the flower. And I'm like, Yes, just I walks love away. That. And just walks away. I love it. And then it sets up a really good joke for later on, too. Oh, it does? The the whole idea of those solicitors, because when we get uh, another captain coming through once everything's going crazy. Yeah. Uh, he, those people come up to him and he legit just starts fighting them like full on Kung Fu oh. style. Yeah, fighting. absolutely. I don't know if it sets up her her not taking or getting oh, money. No. I just set mean up. those characters because oh, we yeah. see them quite a bit in that opening. Well, yeah, because we get it right after too as Ted Stryker, who plays Elaine's love interest, who's going to have to end up flying the plane in some poorly put together storyline <laughs> um he's also getting hounded by them and one of them like tries to pin it to his jacket so he literally just takes the jacket off gives it to him and just keeps walking yep and like that's a great moment too of, like i'd rather just give you the jacket than deal with your bullshit mm-hmm. it's uh, amazing i just want to punch him in the mm-hmm. face wish fulfillment right w- there 100 but this is where we get them talking and they're like you can't get over the past and he's like i've got ptsd and she's like i don't care and he's like but whatever i love you and she's like okay (laughs) like i hate it i'm going on this plane and never coming um, back yeah pretty much you just literally just uprooted your entire life yeah for no reason yeah okay stupid um but then he's like i need to get a ticket because i'm gonna go get on this plane even though i hate flying i have a fear of flying now because he was a a pilot in the war and made a wrong choice and a bunch of people died yeah and that's why that's his trauma yeah but he got to go get a ticket and this is one of my favorite jokes in the entire movie is he's like, I'd like one plane ticket. And she's like, cool, smoking or non-smoking? And in my head, I'm like, oh man, what? What a dumb... Oh, right, it's 1980. There literally were sections of the airplane you could smoke in. <laughs> which is just... Doesn't that sound dumb, though? Oh, yeah. Like, it's an airplane. Well, The smoke's going everywhere. There's nowhere to get away well, from it. That's the exact same thing that they had for restaurants that had a smoking section, but it was literally just an open air... It was all about the filters and the filtration system. Oh, sure, sure, suck sure. all the smoke up. No, mm-hmm. dude, I can smell no. it no matter where you are. Yeah. But he, she's like, you know, smoking or not smoking. And he says smoking, and she hands him a ticket that's smoking. It's literally smoke like is pouring ice, out yeah. of this ticket. And it's the best visual visual gag, gag yeah. in this whole movie to me because it, it again it's 1980 you have those two different sections it could have been absolutely nothing and they somehow turned it into a great joke but then it makes me laugh because he gets on the plane and one of the first shots we get of them all on the plane is the no smoking sign right after he oh, he takes yeah. his ticket out to make sure he's in the right section yep it's still smoking he looks up the sign dings no smoking yeah he's like okay yeah. well Again, you had me and you lost me. <laughs> the story isn't there. Stuff doesn't make sense. It's just for the jokes. Yep. Um, speaking of that, it's a great joke too with the whole no smoking. And then underneath it's like written out like, oh, that's going to be the other language or whatever. And it's like, not. It's just English, but like all the words are crammed together. So one of it's... them is like, buckle up or do your seatbelt or something. And below it, it's like, that's you, buckle up. And it's just like, what? It's, uh, 
I can't remember what they ended up calling the language that the African-American people were speaking. Jive. Jive. So it's supposed to be that is a completely different language. Like those characters are constantly being subtitled. It's just, it's a weird, weird joke. Speaking of, Jive translation is literally my next note. I hate it. I hate it so much. It's so racist. It is insanely racist. It tickles my funny bone like the slightest bit. Nope. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, nah. Mm. Because they make it like, they're they're just talking. It's like, it should be fine. But then you make it like the most golly gee whiz in their subtitles. I'm like, ugh. Well, because they're making it white. Yeah. And I hate it. And then I hate the moment later where the old lady walks up and is like, I can speak their language. And she's like, jive turkey. And blah. Stop. I know it's 1980, but God, that, no. And it was... And they, because they stopped subtitling it at that point, them like going back and forth. But you can definitely tell the one guy's like, why are you tripping? Why, why are you like trying to talk for me? I can, I can talk normal. It's weird. It's weird. I hate the drive, jive translation. I have yeah. more, more jokes that are coming that are super racist. Mm-hmm. Also, that just happens to be the first one. Oh, yeah. I love this one's also bad, but it's a really great joke at the same time, but a terrible joke also. The old, so Ted sits down and he's sitting next to an old woman and the old woman's like, do you have any magazines? She's handing out, uh, Elaine, the stewardess is handing out magazines. She's like, do you have anything light to read? And she's like, how about this pamphlet about famous Jewish athletes? And it's the and tiniest it's, little page. It's one little page with like one name on it. Yeah. I don't even know what the name is. No, they don't show it. Doesn't, doesn't matter. Great joke. Great joke. Horrible joke. Yeah. But great joke. Yeah. What do you got? I, I'll just keep I, going with jokes if you want me to, but I'm sure you want to throw well, something out there. This is when, because he, he ends up sitting next to her and they get talking about his life and he goes on a full tirade of like, this is the backstory of how I met the stewardess. And Elaine. Elaine. And I absolutely hate this part. I hate the, the understory of their their like love yeah, I told you, the, get, the story is absolute garbage in this movie. It is. But this part in particular, I'm like, this drags on. It's not funny. I don't know why I should care. The dance scene where he's yeah. like doing a dance and then he starts juggling. And I'm like, I'm literally checking my watch. Like, is this done yet? Yeah. Can we, can we just go? I know this is only an hour and a half movie, but we got time for this. And then it cuts back to him in the plane and the old lady has hung herself. And I'm just like, poor taste really bad taste but also you invited some of that on yourself because you started talking about his love life you should have known his whole story was coming okay there, there's one great joke in that flashback though hmm. one great joke is the card game yeah and the one's cheating with an ace up the sleeve and when it pulls back and a big fight breaks out it's just two girl scouts yeah fighting and throughout the entire flashback which is a good like six minutes mm-hmm. of, of movie time they're fighting the entire time. And even at the very end of the flashback, as they're like done There's, dancing and they're hugging. And they're the only ones left. They're in the this only place. ones left. And one of the uh, Girl Scouts just gets thrown from the balcony and lands on the ground in front of them. Yeah. Clearly it's a dummy, but it's just so funny. Yeah. So funny. It's a terrible fight, though. It's horribly choreographed and looks so fake. I know it's a comedy, but wow. Yeah. Wow. 
I mean, that's part of the whole thing of this movie is it's just that ridiculous. They don't try to hide anything like another person gets stabbed in that scene and you can definitely tell that there's padding there. Oh, yeah. It's like literally they're outlining the padding to be like, that's where the knife hit. He's safe. And you're like, oh, my God, I hate this. (laughs) Right after we come back, there's a joke that I absolutely despise. So when we're boarding the plane, we see a young kid checking out a young girl, a young boy checking out a young girl. Mm-hmm. And they're being made to play up like they're adults. He's dressed in a little suit. He's eyeing her up and down while reading a magazine while she's waiting to put her luggage away. It's like, that's what you see in movies from adults. Yeah. It's just being played with little kids. He brings her coffee and he's like, you want some coffee? And she's like, yeah, sure. Have a seat. And he sits down and they're drinking their coffee. And he says, would you like some cream? And she goes, No. I like my coffee like I like my coffee black, like I like my men. It's like a ten year old girl. Yeah. It, what? Who? Who decided that was a great joke to put in here? Who was like, yeah, that'll be funny. I bet people laughed Kid, in nineteen eighty. Kids doing adult things is funny. It's yeah, sure, sure was. Ha <laughs> 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 Yeah. Bad. Then we get more story. They're talking. Things are happening. They're, be- they're asking people what they want for dinner mm-hmm. because they're going to start serving. And I'm like, where, where are we going? Where are we going that you're going to get dinner? Do people get you get like full meals flying from the New York to Chicago? So they are going from California to Chicago. Yeah, that's still only like a three hour flight. They used to do a lot more meals on planes. I remember this from like my childhood. When Give them peanuts actually, and shut up. Yeah. yeah. I didn't understand it. I was like, it's like options too. Like PB&J, that's what you get. Shut up. Yeah, it was fish or... Meat, beef. Beef, yeah. It's always beef and fish. Yeah. It's like, or chicken, maybe? Maybe it was chicken? I don't know. It's always like those three things. At some point during this time, too, we have a small child go into the cabin. Oh, I was I was about to get to that. And one of my nits for this is he, he gets a full-ass little toy plane from the captain. Yeah. Like, uh, I remember back when I was a kid and you could go into the cabin. You got wings. You got a little, like, a pin with wings on it. And that was like the coolest thing. But I'm also like, where's my plane? Where's my toy plane? Well, what I oh, think the is the plane that I'm on. What I think is funny about that, because I, I noticed it too. And I was like, damn, that's so cool. But I'm pretty sure that is the exact miniature it is. that they use throughout the rest of the movie. Whenever they show the outside of the plane flying, yeah. that's just the miniature. Yeah. So they were probably like, and we already have it. Just give it to the kid. It'll be funny. Yeah. Yeah. It made me super jealous, though. I'm like, it would have been. Where's my toy plane? It would have been really funny. I feel like this movie missed a lot of opportunities, though, because I feel like it would have been really funny if when he got the plane, mm-hmm. if he like moved it and then the whole cabin moved as if like he was controlling oh, the plane in that, that moment. Been really funny. Would have been really funny. And then if the the uh, pilot would have like leaned over and be like, "Ooh, sorry, got to turn that off," and like <laughs> flipped a switch. Like, great joke. Would have been really funny. Yeah. Missed that, opportunity. That, that would have been really good. <laughs> I found myself doing that a lot while watching this movie. I'm like ah, oh, man, I wish that would have been funnier or come back again. Or I just feel like they missed things because they were going for low-hanging fruit. low-hanging fruit sometimes when they could have had a little bit more clever of a joke thrown in. Well, I feel like this movie was really made for the masses. And it's it like you had to get a joke in there every two minutes that everyone would laugh at. And then every like half a minute in between then there's these little sight gags so before we before we move on because i have a weird i have a big problem with that kid oh, being I in the too. clock pit, cockpit as well before we get to that though 
my problem, another problem I have with this movie, I have a lot of problems with this movie and I didn't really realize it until we like started talking. So I was like, I don't know. I laughed watching it, but now I'm like, damn, I have a lot of problems with this movie because the jokes come every 30 seconds. You miss jokes. Oh, You're yeah. laughing at a joke and another joke is happening. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, well, what the hell's ha- what just happened? Well, they like to do it where there's an auditory joke and a visual joke that don't necessarily coincide at the same time. So you're potentially only getting one or the other. Yeah. It happens quite often. That's why I said you got to watch it more than once to catch them all. But like, do you want to? I, before watching it for this time, would have said yes. Yeah. So very interesting. Let's get back to the kid in the uh, cockpit. Mm-hmm. Because, oh my God, what? Ooh. Okay. Captain Over, who is the pilot, is he got a little pedophile vibe to him? Oh, very much so. Because he's asking him, like, you ever seen a grown man naked? Have you ever been to a Turkish bathhouse? Yeah, and constantly being like, oh, he can stay, he can stay. Yeah, even though the other pilot's like, get out? Well, yeah, the other pilot's saying get out because oh my God, that's the kid is one realizing of my favorite that parts. that's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Oh my God, it's so good. Seeing Kareem in the movie is freaking hilarious. He's actually pretty good in the movie too. Oh yeah. Like I believed him. So this yeah. is one of my major issues with this movie is... I don't. I didn't know who Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was, so I wasn't getting the joke. And that happens quite often in this movie. It was very of its time. You don't where, know him now, or you didn't know him when you watched it for the first time. I didn't even know him now. Oh, like okay. I've never. I don't think I've even looked at pictures of that guy. So if you don't know those people around that time period, you are missing a good quarter of the jokes happening. That's fair. Yeah, I get it. But it is a great moment because the kid is like, "You're Kareem Abdul-Jabbar," and he's like, "No." I'm Roger Murdoch. And he's like, no, no, no. You're a basketball player. Ha 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 ha. My dad said you suck because you don't play defense. And you're and like he's pushing Kareem's buttons to the point that Kareem grabs him. And he's like, listen here, you go tell your dad that it's really hard to do that every night to lock down Walton for 48 minutes. But like, it's such a good moment. It is funny. But also at the same time, I'm like, one of my nits comes in right here. You wasted Kareem. He's he's pretty good as Roger. Like he's right on point with their when they're doing the call before they take off, and the guy keeps saying Roger, and he's like, huh, huh, huh. Every time his name said that whole opening bit makes me laugh because all of the three people in the cabin's names: Captain Over, Roger Murdoch, and oh god, what is his name? I can't remember it. It's the whole idea of everything that they're having to say. Uh, oh, Clarence. Yes, Clarence. Clarence, Clarence. Uh, so they're having to say things certain ways. Otherwise, they're like, huh? What, are you saying my name, basically? It cracks me the heck up, yeah. that entire opening bit. Oh, yeah, it's it's fantastic. And he's, like, really good. And he's really good in that moment with the kid when he's trying to say, like, hey, I'm not that person. I'm a, a pilot. I'm a co-pilot. But then they just ruin it by being like, no, you're a bet. You point out that he's not an actor, which then ruins it for everybody else. Because if you're pointing out that he's a basketball player playing this role, well, then clearly the guy sitting next to him is not a captain. The other guy's not the navigation. These aren't stewardesses. These aren't passengers. These are the minute you point out one person isn't who they are in the movie. You ruin it for every other person in the movie. Oh, see, I got a different joke out of that. I thought he was. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in that universe so that he was in that universe pretending to be someone else 
just to be flying. I don't know. That's how my brain took it. I'm I sure kind of get your I'm version, sure that's though. how they meant it. The way yeah. that you did it is like, oh, ha, ha, ha. But for me, it's like you're clearly pointing out that he's groom. It makes it feel like that kid. Went, and I think that might have been the point. It felt like the kid was going off script to be like, oh, my God, you're Kareem. Oh, my God. But you just ruin it then. You take the magic out of it. Yeah. Imagine if you're watching a Marvel movie and somebody's like, yo, hey, Chris Evans, did you put on the Captain America suit yet? Let's go fight these guys. Hey, you remember when you did that other movie? That was cool. Like You're just losing the magic. Yeah. Unless you're Deadpool. Well, yeah, if you're going to be breaking the fourth wall, sure. Yeah. This movie doesn't really break the fourth wall. Has They're... little moments, but it's not the entire thing is breaking the fourth exactly. wall. Um, so it's just, it's a weird, weird moment. It's funny, but also weird at the same time. And I found that to be the, true with a lot of the stuff happening in this movie. Mm -hmm. It's funny, but also like weird and bad. Yeah. But yeah, just the kid being in there, like I just needed to get past that part because uh, Captain Over was just like, can you just get sick already? Yeah. And F off. Mm -hmm. Just go away. Then we get another flashback. More story. Um, Ted has moved to a new seat and is talking to a Asian person, an Asian man, mm -hmm. and giving him backstory of falling in love with Elaine and what their life was like during the war because that's when they met. And they're in some African country or something. I'm not, I don't remember exactly where they say they are. And she's teaching them about Tupperware to, to keep hot dog buns fresh, which is just stupid. Really stupid. It kind of made me chuckle. Yeah. Because it's like all those uh, at home, stay at home moms who wanted to sell stuff. Yeah. It's like airborne stuff, you know, that like, uh, what is that? K? Yeah. The K famous makeup person. I think Mary it was, Kay. Yeah. I think it's Mary Kay makeup where you got to go sell it door to door. Mm -hmm. yeah, stupid. But that doesn't bother me as much. I just thought it was weird. What bothers me is he's like, and I taught them the game of basketball and he shoots and misses. And then he gives the ball to one of the natives who starts spinning down his finger, doing all these things. And then he dunks it. And all these guys are just immediately good at basketball. And it's like, all right, cool. We're back to the racist jokes here. Oh, and it keeps going from there. Because he's like, oh, I'm going to re-enlist. And when we come back, I'm going to teach him about baseball. And but it's he like, never Ooh. comes back. He never comes back. It's like, okay. Mm yeah. So timely. Yeah. Bad. Just all bad. Yep. What's funny about this moment, though, is I believe this is the second time we've now seen him try to drink a cup of water. Mm -hmm. And just completely misses. And he just always hits his face with it. Yeah. I don't they know don't, what that is. They never reference. Like, I thought it was supposed to be the whole joke of, like, I have a drinking problem. And it's just, you always miss when you go for your mouth. Yeah. But they never reference it. They never talk about it. It's just something that happens and isn't. It's kind of funny, though. I mean, it's funny, but I wish they would have paid it off. Yeah, that's fair. So then they hand out dinner and everybody gets sick from mm -hmm. eating the fish. And, uh, well, one woman initially is like, hey, I don't feel good. And uh, Elaine's like, oh, I'll go find a doctor. Is there a doctor? Blah, blah, blah. And the doctor's played by Leslie Nielsen, who just is, mwah, love oh him. Oh, my God. He is probably my favorite character in the entire movie. My favorite part about him is he, this was a late career resurgence for him doing these funny movies because he also went and did like Naked Gun, those mm -hmm. movies. Um, because before that, he was a very serious actor. Yeah. And then he got cast in this and people realized he could be funny. <laughs> and then it just like set him up to to make these kind of parody spoof movies. Mm -hmm. And damn, he's good at it. 
he plays that like straight faced humor so well where it's like nothing he's saying should be funny, but it's done in such a dry way that it is cracking me up. His deadpan is amazing Mm -hmm. because he says the most outlandish dumb things and the weirdest stuff's happening around him and he is unflinching the entire time. And I absolutely love it. At one point, he's helping a woman give birth. She, Her legs are up in stirrups. Oh, he's holding forceps. He's not giving birth. That He's doing a pap smear. Oh, okay. I didn't know what was happening. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a female. I don't, I, don't, I don't know what goes on in there. Um, so the plane is like jerking all over the place. He's like, what's happening? And that's what he's doing. He's doing like a pap smear. Yeah. And it's like the funniest thing because he just, it's like he's in his office. He's just like, hey, what's going on? Yeah. Can, can we not? It'd be it's great. like, all these people are getting sick and that's what's happening. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, so people are getting sick and throwing up and not feeling well. And it's all about what did they have for dinner? Mm-hmm. What was the food they ate? The thing is, we never see anybody eat food. Yeah. We only see the aftermath of one person's meal. And that's the captain just being like, oh, he also ate the fish. Yeah. But then Leslie Nielsen, Dr. Murdoch is explaining what's going on. Mm-hmm. And he's like, names all these horrible things. And he's like... They're going to start sweating and they're going to start getting itchy and they're going to this, that, whatever. Spasm and... Spasms. And then they're going to drool and then they're going to fa- pass out, basically. Yeah. It's kind of funny because as he's saying these things, Captain Over is experiencing them. Mm-hmm. And in my head, I'm like, damn, what a hypochondriac. <laughs> Just because the dude's saying it doesn't mean it's happening to you right this second. God. So one thing that kind of grinds my gears about the whole idea of the fish making people sick is... One person who ate the fish didn't get sick. And that is the the wife of the first guy who gets sick from this. And she's like, well, we all had fish. She never gets sick. She's, in fact, the one that they have to, like, calm down later on. Yeah. So she's kind of there, shown throughout, but she never gets sick. And I'm like, well, way to ruin your entire story right there. Yeah. Uh, You're not paying attention to your own story. What story? (laughs) We've already talked about this. (laughs) So everybody gets sick and the plane's going to go down because all three pilots get sick. And then they just leave the pilots. They're just gone the rest of the movie. Yeah, they're like dragged to the back of the plane. But none of the passengers are that sick. We see some of the passengers, like the very first passenger who says she's sick, seems to be less sick. Yeah, she stays conscious for the entire time. So does almost everybody else that they say was sick. Mm -hmm. So it's like a native mind of just like, where the hell did the pilots go? Like, why did we just... They're out of commission? They cool. had they had the worst fish. I guess. The most contaminated I guess. fish. But this is where Ted has to step up and take over, even though he doesn't want to because he was a pilot. So he at least has some knowledge of being a pilot. We also get the automatic pilot, which is just a promiscuous blow-up doll, basically. The, he's a blow-up doll who starts to deflate. And so the tower is like, you have to go manually inflate him again. And the tube is in his crotch. And they're both smoking after. Low-hanging fruit. Yeah. Low-hanging fruit. another point with that character is when they're, uh, fl- like, falling out of the sky, basically, and it's in the back, and it ends up grabbing her breast mm-hmm. as it comes back up, and it's like, ah, okay. Yeah, low-hanging fruit. Everything to do with the blow-up co-pilot is, is awful. It's like, I like this, like, gag of the automatic pilot just being a blow-up doll that just holds the thing. Yeah. You didn't really have to make it even remotely sentient. Especially at the end, when he then has, like, a wife or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, okay, so you got a blowjob from a stewardess. Yep. You fondled her, but you're married? 
You have a wife, a girlfriend, or something? Yeah. Yeah, everything gets... God, this movie. They had to play on the joke that all people who are in stewarding and oh, yeah. pilots and they... stuff are, have extra marital affairs. Yeah. Oh, for sure. This is where I feel like the movie kind of falls apart also once he starts taking over to fly the plane. Because mm-hmm. this is where we get introduced to, like, the hard-nosed for pi- pilot who's going to come in and talk to him and work his way through. And the guy you mentioned earlier who goes through and beats up yeah. all the religious people. And... It kind of just like we had jokes coming a mile a minute, and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden it's like we're gonna throw one joke every every five minutes now, and it was like oh the pacing just kind of stalls here. Not only that, but they rely heavily on a guy in the background of those scenes oh, at, God, at the headquarters that, that guy. is literally just saying the most random things that make absolutely no sense, and it's not even like funny the way that they don't make sense. They're just like why why yeah. why are you saying that right now? Yeah, it's it's awful. But he's going to be talked through how to pilot the plane and land the plane. But he's obviously got to deal with his own issues. Especially because the guy talking to him was in the military with him. Yeah, they have a whole backstory, which we get, but also don't get. Yeah. They clearly have a history, but I'm not 100% sure what that history is. Yeah, I think he was the overhead commander yeah. that made them go on the mission that then Stryker messed up. And got everyone killed. Yeah. So it's like, Rex there's a Kramer. lot of issues there. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, we need to clear out. They're, they're flying to Chicago and they need to clear out the Chicago airport. And they're like, send these trucks, send this, get everybody out. And we get another fantastically racist joke here mm-hmm. of the Isra- Air Israeli. And it's an airplane in a turban with a giant beard. Yeah. What are we doing? What the f- is happening in this movie now? Yeah. And then once the airplane's like coming down and there's no pilots, we get a bunch of newscasters reporting the news. We get another stupid joke here where we go to like a Polynesian island or something. And the news program is him playing music on like a drum and they hand him different drumsticks. And that's supposed to change the tone of his news program to announce this plane. I will- what the f- I'm, I, this is so bad, but it made me chuckle just because the the beat that he was doing is that very, like, every time you see a news report in a movie, it's always, like, that tune. Yeah. And I was like, ah, that kind of made me chuckle. No, none of that made me chuckle <laughs> at all. The green screen driving of Rex Kramer when he's trying to get to the tower to talk to him is absolutely fantastic. In, like, a way that we would pan any other movie for doing it. But it was done so ridiculously that it just makes you laugh. Yeah. Yeah. Because suddenly it's like going crazy and they're not reacting to it going crazy at all. Oh, so yeah. it's it's funny. It made me chuckle. There's uh, another racist joke also of when Ted is being called to the front to go fly the plane. He's sitting next to a man in, in a turban mm-hmm. and the man has a match lit. And he nods to, to Ted to, like, go fly the plane and whatever. And he drops the match and he blows himself up. So, yeah. Well, it was the whole idea of, like, every person that has been talking to Ted and getting his backstory has, like, committed suicide. Cool. Then they probably should have used any other form of death or any other person. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a terrible racist terrorist joke. Yeah. Because as soon as... Ted leaves, he puts out the match, but the match is still hot enough that it does light him up. Yeah. So it's Which means like, he wasn't trying to kill himself. 
Not after but, Ted was gone. But somehow he still had a bomb. Awful joke. Awful joke. Oh, yeah. Awful joke. Um, one lady that made me laugh the entire time, as the plane's jerking around from going down, we always cut to this lady who's trying to put makeup on. <laughs> and it's just, it's absolutely fantastic. It's so funny, but at the same time, I'm like, lady, stop putting makeup on. <laughs> like, it's not working. Stop doing it. Oh, like, you can wait until yeah. you get there. It's okay. Trust me, the fire, the firefighters who are going to rescue do not care. Yeah. Stop doing it. Um, really funny. I do love in this movie how everything is played rather serious. Mm -hmm. Like, it's funny and they're making jokes, but they're saying everything's serious. And I think that plays really well. I think that's what helps add to the comedy. That is always my favorite type of comedy where it's like, you're just, everyone's deadpan and it's just funny little quips here and there. Though That's my favorite kind. So I was getting a lot more out of this than I should have. Yeah. Uh, here's the last couple of few things. Cause I want to, I want to get to, uh, I want to speed this up a little bit when they're at the tower trying to talk Ted in for the landing, everybody's sitting at like their monitors and stuff. And some guy in the background opens one of the monitors and throws laundry in. Yeah. And it's such a great background joke because the monitors they're looking at look like the front cover of a, of a washing machine. Yeah. Fantastic joke. As Ted's trying to land the plane, he's just the profuse sweating. Yeah. <laughs> Like, it's just like, it's literally so, they have a hose on him. And yeah. Just, and it's just pouring down and it just, he's trying to wipe it off. And it's just, every time he wipes it off, there's more comes. Yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. That gag has been done in so many things and it, I, it makes me, me chuckle every time. every time. Yeah. Every time. The random guy that you already talked about, who's constantly just saying dumb sh in the background. Yeah. Hate him. I do too. He almost got my Han award, but <laughs> I went with something else. It's just dumb. What, who is he? What he's saying makes no sense with what's actually happening. I hate it. Get rid of him. Yeah. The movie's 10 times better if he's not in it. Oh, yeah. And that's all I got. Then he lands the plane safely. Woo. Everybody's safe. Yep. Cool. One of my nits is that this movie relies too heavily on double meanings of things. Yeah. And if so, you don't know them. Yeah. If you don't know them, you're out of the loop. And it just it feels like you keep going back to your well. So I enjoyed it right like the first couple of times when they use the word of a meaning, like they say a building or something like that. Another character is like, what's that? And then they explain what that actually thing is not. Example, Elaine, uh, the doctor says to Elaine, we need to get all these people to a hospital. They're all sick. We need to get them to a hospital immediately. And she's like, what's that? And he's like, it's a building. Yeah. A building with sick people in it. Yeah. And they and go like, back that's to not that what she was asking a few too many times that that's my problem is it made me laugh the first couple of times they did it, but then they just kept doing it. And they do this a lot with several other types of humor. They keep just hitting those beats over and over and over again. And it's just like, tone it down just a little bit. And they would have still been funny by the end. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Nits. That was my only one. Okay, cool. Um, my nits were they wasted Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah. They had a real, again, missed opportunities for jokes because the fact that they don't change Dr. Murdoch into something other than a doctor blows my mind. Like the fact that she's like, oh, he's a doctor and he never says he's a people doctor. He never, you could have easily been like, he's a vet. <laughs> like he's still technically a doctor. He could have been a doctor of psychology. He could have been a doctor of math mathematics. He, he could have had his doctorate in literally anything but for some reason they kept him as an actual doctor mm -hmm. and it would have been it could have been a great joke could have been i'm not saying it would have been yeah it could have been a great joke if they would have made him a vet 
And like he was treating these people as if they were pets, if they were animals. Yeah. It, there's just so many missed opportunities for, for more elevated jokes rather than let's blow the co-pilot. Yeah. Uh, my last oh no I already talked about this too my, the pilots being out of commission was super weird because none of the other passengers ever hit that point of mm-hmm. not being able to sit upright or function in any way yeah I got questions why is there a love story hey I already said that I hated the love story it's just kind of pointless just a question I had throughout the whole movie alright so here's here's a question here's something I wanted to talk about mm-hmm. in the beginning of the movie the pilot gets a phone call from the Mayo Clinic great joke it's the Mayo Clinic. It's a guy sitting at a desk with a bunch of mayonnaise jars behind him. Yeah. He's the Mayo Clinic. Fantastic. He gets a gets a call from them saying, hey, there's a sick child on your airplane. Make sure her IV stays in and she lands immediately and gets here as fast as possible because we have her heart transplant waiting. He's literally just a human heart sitting on his desk. Beating. Beating. It's this whole moment. Fantastic. I feel like they blew their load on the jokes in the first half of the movie <laughs> and then everything in the second half is just bad yeah but we meet this kid with the stewardesses trying to make sure she's good one stewardess sings her a song with a guitar that part's stupid also she rips the iv out but the mom's so into the song she doesn't notice and the kid almost dies and blah 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 and then halfway through the movie the kid just f's off yeah D- doesn't exist until the very end when they're loading her onto an ambulance that crashes does it yeah Oh, I didn't even know. Oh, yeah, notice. when they when they put her in the ambulance and they're driving away, you hear a crash as people are getting off the airplane, and then you see one of the rims from the tire come rolling through the frame. Oh. Uh-huh. So she I didn't even notice that. Yeah. So like they set it up to be like, that's gonna be important. Mm-hmm. And then they just drop it halfway through because again, this movie has no story. Yeah. That could have been the story. Mm-hmm. Could have been at least part of the story, and they just completely drop it. So where'd the kid go? Yeah. That's my question. And then my my last question is, and we kind of already discussed it a little bit, what was with the religious people at the airport? I wasn't alive in 1980, so I don't know if that was a huge thing at airports or not, but what? Yeah. It was literally just to set up the joke where he goes in and Kung Fu fights all of them. Which, we didn't need that joke. Who was that joke for? What did that joke do for the movie? Yeah. Nothing. It did nothing. All right. My hot take is, this movie is a lot more sexual and racist than it needs to be. It could have been very clever, oh, yeah. and this movie's not clever. You all think it's clever. Everybody who's ever watched this movie thinks it's clever. It's not a clever movie. Yeah. No matter what you think, it's not. <laughs> Sorry. It's it's just not. All right, well, yep. let's go into awards then. Yeah. That's all I got. First up is, as always, is our psycho shower scene. Your favorite scene from the movie. Mine is one that we did not talk about. But mm-hmm. I absolutely love, and I, I didn't talk about it on purpose because it was for the award. A woman is kind of losing it a little bit. And she's like, oh my God, I'm, I'm going crazy. I can't handle this. And the the stewardess is like, it's okay. You're calm down. We're going to help you. And she just starts violently shaking her and mm-hmm. slaps her. And the doctor is like, Dr. Murdoch's like, that's no way to t- treat somebody. I'll take care of this. He pushes the way, the stewardess aside, grabs the woman, starts shaking her, slaps her a couple times. And a nun is like, Father, you have other you people, have other to, people to go take care of. Yeah. I'll handle this. And the nun talks to her and then grabs her and violently shakes her and slaps her. And then as the nun's walking away, a new person steps up, shakes her, slaps her. And as the nun's walking away, she walks past a bunch of people who are holding weapons. 
One of the black guys has a, has a wrench in his hand. Another guy has a tire iron. Like a, a, an old lady has a gun. Yeah, an old lady has a gun, and you're like, what the? F-? Yeah, it's so dumb, and I love it so much. Uh, funny you say that because it's also my psycho <laughs> psycho scene. I I this is the scene that I remember the most of the movie. Of it just always makes me laugh. It's so ridiculous. Yeah, it's so good. I absolutely love it. Next up is the Life uh, Finds a Way Award for your favorite line of the movie. We actually parodied my line at the beginning because uh, I go with the Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. It is my most memorable line. It's the one that I like quoting randomly. And it makes me laugh every time because of just how deadpan that doctor is like. I am serious and don't call me Shirley. Because he says it so... I love it. It's great. Because they do it twice in the movie, too. Mm-hmm. With with the name Shirley. They do it twice. And the second time's even good, too, because it's as he's leaving the cockpit. Yeah. And he's like, just as he's leaving, he's like, and don't call me Shirley. Yep. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, I love it. Um, It was going to go... I was going to give my award to that. Mm-hmm. But there was a line that really stuck out to me this particular watch. And it's with the old lady that Ted sits next to right at the beginning of getting on the plane. Mm-hmm. And he looks wrecked. And she asks him. Nervous? Yes. First time. No, I've been nervous lots of times. Yep, I love it. So good. Hallelujah. I feel that on an emotional level, on a spiritual level, on a connection level. I love it. Yeah. It's not my first time. I've been nervous plenty of times. Not only that, but it's that idea of not always understanding what someone is asking you. So it's like she asked it in a way that it can be construed as multiple different things. And it was the funnier way that he took it. Well, and that's the thing, like between both of our Life of Finds a Way awards, that's what I wanted the whole movie to be. Yeah. Those are both very clever jokes where it's like a misunderstanding mm-hmm. leads to a great joke. It's just a shame they couldn't do that through the whole thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, next up is the Han Shot First Award for what held up the worst yeah. in this movie. I'm going to go first. It's the racist jokes. There's so many of them. I only named a few, but there are there are bad jokes in this that would never fly in 2023. Hell, they shouldn't have flown in 1980, to be honest, but somehow they did. Mm-hmm. And I just, I can't get past it. We again have a similar award. Mine is just the jokes that go too far. It's not just the racist jokes. It's the sexualizing of a a young boy jokes. It's the suicide jokes. It's those kind of jokes that just go too far that makes this movie just not, not sit well. Yeah, absolutely. And our last award always goes to the Paul Rudd Award for what held up the best since this movie came out. Yeah. For me, it's the ridiculous nature of this film. It still should work, this movie, because of just how ridiculous, how anything can happen at any moment, and you're just, okay, well, this is happening now. That's That kind of nature of a film is what holds up the best for me. Okay. Not bad. Uh, This one was a really hard award for me. I don't think anything held up that bad i don't think anything mostly held up that atrocious either so it was really hard to find something Mm -hmm. i went with the the writing the pacing of the writing 
I think, and of the acting, just the pacing in general, because everybody's on top form. All of the actors, that's one thing that we didn't talk about up front, all of the actors absolutely crush these roles. They nail it. They are amazing in this. And there are so many recognizable faces. The guy who plays Rex, Captain Rex, he's the guy who hosts Unsolved Mysteries. I just want him to talk to me. Yeah, dude, his voice is amazing. Even one of the... I, I do have a That Guy Award. I, we've never done a That Guy Award, but it was like, I saw him in this movie and I was like, holy crap, really? And it's one of the monks. So there's two monks that get on the plane with like shaved heads, ponytail, blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah. One of them, you're not going to know who he is by, by just looking at him. I just caught it. He's the teacher that Cat flashes in 10 Things I Hate About You. Really? Yep. Hmm. And I like saw him and I was like, Really? Like, he's done a ton of other things. I just know that's where you would know him from. Yeah. He's done a ton of TV, a ton of... He's just in a lot of things. Mm -hmm. To see him, I was like, wow. And it's just like, that's everybody. Everybody in this movie is just like, wow. <laughs> what a cast. And they're amazing. And I think that's what makes the pacing of this movie work. They are all right on top of it. They know their roles. They know their lines. They are quick. And because they do it deadpan, they can just move on. There is no, like pause for laugh track laugh track yeah they just go because it's not meant to be funny even though it is mm -hmm. and so that's what i think holds up the best is the pacing is just fantastic yeah okay final thoughts decision yeah go for it this movie i was so excited to cover because i remember absolutely loving this movie watching it for this time however I realized just how problematic it is with the humor and how dated it is. If you don't know some of these people, you won't get the jokes. And the jokes that you do get, you might have a bad taste in your mouth from. So, unfortunately, this movie doesn't hold up. Wow. You're gonna get some hate for that. I know. But I'm, I'm right there with you. Uh, I agree. I don't think this movie holds up. I think... It... <sighs> It's a lot harder to decide on this movie because a lot of it does work still, mm -hmm. but so much of it doesn't where if I was to make this movie work for 2023, I got to take out about 30% of the film. And that's just too much. And now it's a short film of like f under an hour. Yeah. You know, and it's just, that's too much. And when you hit that kind of number overall, you have to then say the, the movie doesn't work. I, if I had kids, I wouldn't show it to them. No. And not even when they got older. I just would be like, no, I'm not. I'm not I would doing show it. you those little bits and pieces. I would show you the Shirley part. Yeah, the little clips. Yeah. I would show you the sweating part. I would those would be great. And be like, this is funny because a lot of those parts can stand on their own. I don't mm -hmm. need to see the movie to see him trying to land the plane sweating profusely and giggle at it. It's just funny. I don't need I don't need the love story to understand why it's funny. Yeah. The Shirley part, great. It could have been in any movie. It doesn't have to be this one. So fantastic. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I didn't find it as funny as I thought I was going to again. Mm -hmm. And if any of you guys disagree, go ahead and watch that movie again and tell me otherwise. Yeah, that's it. Thanks for joining us on this episode all about 1980s Airplane. If you want to talk more about this movie, you can come hit us up on all the socials and Emily's going to tell you what those are. You can find us on Twitter, on Facebook, on YouTube, and on TikTok. Instagram, basically anywhere we are available. Does it hold up? All the specific names are in the description below. But come and chat with us. Tell us if you think this movie holds up or not. And if you have any suggestions on future movies you want to see us do. Absolutely. 
Thank you all so much for listening. Can't wait to uh, bring you guys another movie next week. We're doing Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery. I know that was a big one, and I know every single one of you have probably seen it. So, you know, what I would suggest, go watch it. Before you listen to this podcast next Wednesday, go watch it. So that way you're right in line with us. It's fresh in your head. You can come, you know, think along with us on if that movie holds up or not. And in the meantime, guys, keep watching movies. Bye. Bye.